Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Amen. John chapter 4 is where I'm going to be going this morning. John chapter 4. We'll be reading about the woman at the well this morning. If you're a male, just picture a shaved head. I thought that was funny. I'm going to be starting at verse 1. I'll be reading through verse 26. I'm going to read it. uh, Starting at verse 1, it says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. And so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. That's interesting. We were just reading about Jacob. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour, so it was late in the day. Everybody say, it was late in the day. Yeah, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, this is, I want to emphasize this. Jesus said, give me a drink. Everybody say, give me a drink. Give me a drink. Say, of holy water. water. (laughs) He said, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink? A Samaritan woman, for Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. They were mixed Jews, essentially. They were, you know, they were mixed descent. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is it that says to you, Give me a drink, and you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So, so I, want, I want you to see that. Jesus is really just wanting to provoke her thought. He's not needing a real drink from her. Look at somebody and say, I know this is hard for you to believe. But God doesn't need anything from you. Look at somebody else and say, as, as nice as you are, as gifted as you are, God doesn't need your gift. He wants to give you something. He wants to give you something. Amen. Everybody hear that? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who says to you, give me a drink, he would have asked, you would have asked him and he would have given you what? Living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. As as if his arm is short. And the well is deep. Where is it that you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well? and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock. 
Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this world's water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him or her a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said, wow. Sir, give me this water that I might not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, well, well said, you've had no husband for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now live with is not your husband and that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you say Jews or you Jews say that in Jerusalem, it is the place where we ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. See, I knew it was okay to talk to my wife like that. <laughs> Jesus did it. Believe me, the hour is coming. <laughs> the hour is coming where we will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And for the Father seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. You may have your seat. I've seen something in this passage of scripture. This morning I was reading it. I was praying for you. Every Sunday. Joel, do we have a mixed, do we have a mixed thing going on with the I think we got a pad and some music. Can we cut one of them? I was sitting and I was praying for you this morning. Every every Sunday I get up around 4 a.m. And I bear my heart to the Lord. And I pray and I believe that God would use, use, my, use, my, use my tongue to say something to you that would be life transforming and would ultimately bring you closer to Jesus or would give you some kind of direction for your life to, to help you navigate through life's challenges, and, but ultimately bring you closer to Jesus. And I'm finding out as I'm, I'm growing in the Lord, I'm, I see so many different obstacles I've overcome and so many challenges that I've overcome. And the Lord has dealt with me in so many different ways. And I'm, the more I'm growing, the more I see how far I still have to go. Does anybody feel that way? Like when you mature more, then you start, you know, you wake up and you're like, Lord, I'm just not as far as I, I, I think I should be. And uh, I used to really deal with a really bad anger problem. And I don't deal with that anymore. It's been many years. I used to have a real anger issue. 
And, uh, but it's translated. And I'm going to be honest. Your pastor has a, a problem with uh, anger, but it's directed in, I think, a healthy way. I, I have to tell you this. I don't hate anything or anyone, but I have to tell you, I hate the devil's works. I hate it. And because in this story right here, I see so many people's lives in there. And, and for me, that was my life right there. Because here's what the devil tries to do. He tries to get us to drink in our lives from cisterns that never satisfy. The hate is driven from a place where I know that Jesus is all satisfying. And what the enemy does, the enemy of our soul, the devil, wants us to drink from places in our lives that will not satisfy us. As a matter of fact, he will try to keep you drinking from certain wells that are other than Jesus' living water because the enemy hates you and me. As a matter of fact, here's, here's his will for us. It's in John chapter 10, verse 10. It won't be up on the screen. It says, the thief comes. Everybody say he's talking about the devil. Jesus is talking. It's written in red. The thief comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. And listen, if, if the enemy cannot trip you up and get you to walk away altogether from Jesus, what he wants you to do in your Christian walk with Jesus is to drink from wells that do not satisfy and do not bring you closer to Jesus. And the Lord was showing me this morning, not in an outward vision, but in my heart, in my holy imagination, an ocean like salt water on one side and then a slow dripping faucet with pure water. And, and, and can you guess which one is Jesus? Listen, following Jesus Following Jesus might be a slow drip and you might not get to your destiny exactly when you want to. You might not get the breakthrough when you want to. You might not get the spouse when you want to. You may not get the healing or the miracle. You may not get the husband or get him to develop in the time that you want him to or her or whatever it might be. You may not get the answers quick But know that when you wait on Jesus, even though he may seem like a slow drip, at least when you get it, it will satisfy your spiritual thirst. On the other hand, there's an ocean of opportunity. Oh, you know what ocean I'm talking about. Just open up your phone. Just open up your phone. Everything is so quick these days. Find your soulmate in two minutes. Farmersonly.com. <laughs> eHarmony. If you're lonely, Christian mingle. You've been there, haven't you? I'm just kidding. If you're lonely, all you have to do is post something on Facebook when you're having a moment and everybody thinks you're having a great day, but the reality is is you're just posting on Facebook because you're lonely. I'm not saying that to condemn, but it's just to get some thumbs up. What is that? That is the salt water that the enemy wants us to drink from. And what Jesus is saying, you can drink from that water, but let me just tell you, whoever drinks from this water, the world's water, will ever grow with thirst more and more. It doesn't satisfy. Only Jesus satisfies. Listen, you were built with specifics. Built. Say, I was built built. 
and fashioned by the hand of God. Do you, do you know why they, they put, I, was, I opened my, uh, I drive a 1999 Ford Ranger most of the time. And uh, no, it's not in that great shape actually. And, 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 I, and I always am cautious because there's different work vehicles like I'll jump in because I, you know, and each one has its own specific. One of them is like a, a Chevrolet. One of them is a Ford. Another one is a Dodge. And each one of them has different specs. Like I can't take the oil that I use in the 99 Ford Ranger and put it in the 2005 Chevrolet van. I like driving vans. I grew up as a painter. I still like driving vans to this day, as goofy as it may seem. But I can't take the 5W30 and put it in the Dodge because it will cause the engine to malfunction. Follow me. Is everybody following? Say, I'm following you. We're like this. We were built for purity. We were built for Jesus' pleasure. We were built for holiness. We were built to be radically in love with the Lord. We were, we were built to walk in God's promises. We were built for his presence. We were built uniquely and designed uniquely by God. And here's what the enemy of you and my soul does. He gets you to put things in your spiritual engine that cause you to malfunction on a daily basis. Where do you think depression comes from? You know when we were having issues with the van and the, the, the light kept coming on? Service engine soon. Service engine soon. Do you know when you're going through things? Heartache, pain, hardship, challenges. It is, it is your dashboard light. It's your spiritual dashboard. And you, it translates to us through this. Depression, uh, anger, irritability, dysfunction, broken relationships. But what is God saying? He's saying something through your attitude. You know what he's saying? You need to spend time with me. You need to get in my word. You, you know, you haven't dusted that Bible off your shelf in, in a month or two. And we begin to spiritually malfunction. Why? Because we were built for one thing and one thing alone. We were built for Jesus' presence. We were built to be used by him. We were built to be in love with him. We were built to be used by him. We were built and made for his pleasure, not the other way around. He was not built for our pleasure. And when we learn to bring pleasure to him, you find out something unique. You don't need the Facebook likes. You don't need to make more money. Listen, if you think that making more money, trust me because I've done it, making more money doesn't make all your problems go away. Who in here who has ever finally reached a goal before and you found out what's up there is not what you thought? How many ever wanted to date or marry a specific person that you thought was going to radically change your life and make everything begin to go well and you found out just a few years in? They don't want to be honest. Or, or you get the position and you finally get the position only to find out that it's the world's water and it doesn't satisfy. You get the position, you start making that amount. Because here's what happens. It's a mirage and a goalpost that continues to keep moving. And it always will demand more and more from you. 
work harder, make more money. And it drives you and drives you and drives you until it drives you so far away from Jesus that you wake up one day and you figure out, you can't figure out why, how did I end this far off? I would rather have a cup full. Is that your lipstick on there, Rick? No, (laughs) joking. I would rather have a half cup full of pure water and a satisfied spirit man than a jug of salt water that will leave me high and dry and empty and dehydrated spiritually and dysfunctional and far away from Jesus. Whoever drinks from this world's water will thirst again, but whoever drinks from the water that I shall give him, out of him would become in him like a spring of water springing up into everlasting life. Be careful when the Lord asks you of something and asks you to do something. Do I have everybody's attention this morning? This is important what I'm about to share with you. When the Lord asks you for a cup, don't think that he needs something from you. He does not need anything from us. I thought this. I bought that lie. When, when, when the Lord asked me to go, to go pastor the church, I really thought he needed my gift. I really did. I, I, yeah, I thought I was pretty gifted until I started doing it. And then I started finding out, wow, you called me to change people's lives, but you know what's really happening? I'm changing. I thought I was going to actually bring people. It's a different trajectory. I don't even think I'm here to change people's lives. I show up every Sunday, and you know what's happening? Donnie Smith is changing. I'm getting closer to Jesus. And by default, my prayer is that everybody comes along in that journey, and we all get transformed until Christ is formed in us. That's the goal. So when he says, hey, give me a drink, he doesn't want your cup. He doesn't want it. He wants you. He doesn't want our giftedness. He, he, doesn't, he, doesn't want, he doesn't even want our money. Do you know tithing is nothing? That is nothing about that. He just wants to know because most of the time the money has people and their heart, the money has their heart. He just wants the heart. So Jesus always goes after the juggler. What costs you the most? Now listen to this. When the Lord asks you to obey, it's not because he needs something from you. He just knows that when you obey him, it's going to position you to get some healing that you need. Do you see that? Jesus, I want you to picture beautiful Lord Jesus, his beautiful beard, his probably, did they make combs back then? I don't know. I didn't study that. I'm sure as, you know, 2000 years ago, there were no mirrors from what I understand. I don't know. But just picture him with his hair and his beard, his complexion, just sitting by the well, waiting for this lady. He wasn't sitting there. I mean, come on. He had more tolerance. I mean, he, the Bible says he went to the cross. He, that means he was a tough guy. His, and he says he sent his disciples off. I doubt that he was just there to rest. The Bible says he was resting. But you know what he was really doing? He was waiting for someone. 
He was waiting for that lady, that lady who had been thirsting for the things of this world, who had been married several times, thinking that by some stretch of a chance that a relationship was going to satisfy her heart, and Jesus wanted to change that. And when she gets there at midday, and the Bible says that it was at the sixth hour. Do you know why it was at the sixth hour? Is because that was at the heat of the day when nobody would go out to the well because she was ashamed of her lifestyle, and she was an outcast. She was ashamed of her past. So she comes in the heat of the day to avoid all of the crowds, to avoid facing the shame that says, oh, weren't you with so-and-so and now you're not with him anymore to bring up the old past things? She would avoid those conversations. So she went midday and Jesus comes to her and says, woman, give me a drink. You think it was because Jesus was thirsty? No, he was trying to give her something that would satisfy her life, which would be living water. So when God asks you for something, he's not wanting to take something from you. He's asking you to do something to obey him in a certain area to position you to heal you. I thought I was coming to pastor this church. Oh, the Lord's going to heal people. Oh, the Lord's going to do a mighty work in people. And he does. And he has. There's no doubt in my mind. But you know what? The greatest healing in my mind, the greatest miracle is how my heart has changed for people, how my heart has changed for God. Oh, how much dependency it's put on my heart. I realize that I can do nothing without him. I'm realizing that it's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by his spirit. And as you face that challenge in your life that you're facing right now, you keep resisting the cup. And Jesus is saying, drink up. Because you know, in drinking that thing, you are being transformed more and more into his image and into his likeness. If she would have just hushed and said, sure, I'll get you a drink. Jesus just wanted her to obey because in her attempt to serve him, thank you, Lord. This is what the Holy Spirit just whispered it to me. I want you to think about her whole life. Think about the five relationships. She had been self-serving her whole life. She had been serving her own belly. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying? She was serving herself. Jesus was trying to get her to serve him. Everything she had done pivoted herself her whole life to serve to meet her own need never to meet God's need and do you know what if she would have got the revelation early it would have saved her years from pain men this will save you years of pain if you would learn to serve when you serve Jesus when you serve him say when I serve him when you serve him, you get your ultimate needs met. It's not the other way around. Whoever drinks of the world's water will thirst again. She was still thirsty. She was still showing up to that well, still empty. Five marriages later. For men, maybe it's five defeats later. Whatever it might be. She was still, Jesus was trying to say, why don't you stop focusing on feeding yourself and satisfying yourself. How about trying to satisfy me as it relates to obeying me in every aspect of your life? This is what the church has to get. Listen, your calling, no matter what you do, no matter who you marry, it, you can work the best job, you can end up with a 401k. 
it's not going to ultimately satisfy you because you were not built for the things of this world to satisfy you. You were built to bring glory to the Lord. And as you bring glory to the Lord, your heart, your spirit, your soul will find its satisfaction in him. Am I talking to the right people? It is a lie to think that him or her or that or this or there is going to satisfy. The only real there is, is him. The only real him or her, the satisfaction can only come from him. And it's critical to obey when God asks you for something. It is absolutely critical. I cannot harp on that enough. It's critical. Say it is critical that I obey without delay. Because if you go too long without obeying, you can miss what God wants to do in your life. We don't talk about that. Oh, God is gracious. And he is. And he is so patient. He's been patient with me. How many have had a lot of patience from the Lord? I love this. That oftentimes when God asks you to do something, it looks as if he or someone else in your life is the only benefactor. I want you to think right now. Put your thinking caps on. When she, when he says to her, give me a drink, there was nothing in it for her. She had lived her life by trying to satisfy her own needs. And now it's making it look like he's the only benefactor. Give me some water. I can guarantee you when I look around this room, there is something that we are facing, you are facing, where it looks like you're not going to be the bad benefactor in your obedience. Think about that. Maybe God's calling you to do something, and there's this thought, well, what's in it for me? Maybe it's a sacrifice. Maybe it's a challenge you're facing. Maybe it's a difficult spouse. Maybe, it, maybe it's a child. Maybe, maybe it's a career. Maybe it's some kind of hardship that you're facing, and you're like, what is in this for me? Does everybody hear what I'm saying right now? When you obey in the midst of that hardship and you say yes, you're saying yes to that. You think that the circumstances is the benefactor or somebody else is, but you don't realize that you're the one who's going to benefit. Why? Because in your yes and dying to self, that is going to change you and make you look more like Jesus. And it will eventually, in your obedience, in your obedience, it will bring joy to your heart. Amen? Because we can only find true joy in the Lord when we obey because we were built to simply obey and yield to him. Let me ask you guys something. I feel like I'm hitting a tiny bit of a wall. How has doing things our own way worked out? How's that gone? If you were left if I was left to my own demise, to make my own decisions, to marry who we want, to work where we want, and all these things that we think will ultimately satisfy our hearts, how many of us have truly ended up being satisfied with where we're at in life? I don't know if anybody could raise their hand. You know why? Because there is no place circumstantially that you can end up happy and with true joy. There's only true joy in knowing him. Yeah. 
and, and until you can really, if you can't, if there is something in your life where you can't say yes to him, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how challenging it is, you will not experience true lasting joy and you will not understand what love truly is. When I see that cross, some people see crucifixion. Some people see redemption. You know what I see? Love. Love. Look at this cross. Look at it. What did Jesus develop in the beginning in Genesis? A family. Say a family. He made a family. That's, what they, that's why he instituted the church. Because he wants a family. Why is there going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb? Because he wants a... Come on, say it. A family, right? When Jesus died... We, some of us look at it and we see God's love, God's sacrifice. Guess who was the benefactor from his sacrifice? We were, but guess who else? God is the benefactor. Through his sacrifice, he became the benefactor because he got out of the deal what he wanted. Although it looked like he was losing, he won me and you. In your obedience, whatever that looks like, am I talking to the right people? In your obedience, when you look at that thing, as hard as it is, when you say yes to that thing, you think that other people, places, and things are the benefactor, or maybe it's just God wanting to be mean to me. No, it's not. You ultimately become the benefactor through your obedience to him. Say, I have to obey. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. She was the thirsty one in more than one way. That's almost funny. I could really go somewhere with that. Don't they, do they still say that? When somebody, <laughs> she says she's thirsty. In the world, that doesn't mean something good. Okay, that simply means she's Thirsty for relationship. She was th that's why she was married so many times. And listen, men, you don't get out of this in any way, shape, or form because many of your mistresses is success and validation. And that will not ultimately satisfy. And so she was thirsty and, and he says to her, give me a drink. Listen, needy people who continue to look out for themselves, stay in need. I was talking to someone yesterday and they said to me, it broke my heart when they said this. And I get boundaries. I get that. I get having boundaries. Don't let people hurt you or take advantage of you. I do believe that. But do you know what I see in this whole generation? And I'm not gonna name no sects. S-E-C. Uh, yeah, is that how you say? Yeah, yeah, that. This person said, well, I'm just trying to protect myself, protect myself. I'm like, where is that in the Bible? Protect yourself. That's a heavy one. Look at all the ladies like, tell me what you mean by that. Jesus said, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life or her life for his sake will find it. And so people who 
imagine this. She had spent her whole life in relationships. Relationship, five marriages, not relationships, marriages. She, she was thirsty. She was hungry for relationships. She was hungry for love. And some of you men are hungry for love, and maybe you're trying to find that through success, prestige, pleasure, whatever it might be. And so she had failure after failure after failure. And what I have found out is that thirsty people cannot be satisfied. Not when you're thirsting for things that have no ability to satisfy you. And nothing, I have to drive that home today, nothing in this world will ultimately satisfy you. Only Jesus Christ can satisfy the human heart. Only Jesus. Everybody say, only Jesus. I wrote this note, the more self-focused we become, the more we experience want. I I want you to hear that, and you you might want to write it down. The more self-focused that you are, the more you will remain in want. Do you know what I start doing when I have issues now and things and challenges that I'm dealing with, things that seem impossible? I, I, I do my best not to look at them. I look up, I look up, I look up. If she would have just looked up, she didn't have to go through five. You don't have to keep going through defeat after defeat after defeat. The answers are not here. They're here. When you look into Jesus' eyes, when you, when you have him, when you have his love, when you, when you join in partnership with the Lord, he will ultimately satisfy every ache and pain and need in your heart, in my heart. Come on, say amen. Does everybody believe that? You know, all throughout history, I'm going to close in just a moment. But all throughout history, there have people who've been lost at sea, shipwrecked. And you know, many times when they find them, yes, how many remember Elion Gonzalez? He came from Cuba and drifted and hit American soil. He was a little boy, famous back in the 90s or early 2000, I think it was. And he drifted all the way from Cuba and ended up into the American waters just unscathed. But that isn't the case with everybody who's got lost at sea. I've been out in the ocean and I'm learning how to navigate. You know, we have a boat here called the Fellowship. I've taken it out in the ocean. Thank God for my little GPS or I'd get lost. I have to file, you know, it traces my, you know, traces our steps as we go so I can get back. And without that GPS, I'd probably be lost. But you know, many people who end up being found are dead. And you would think that they would die from the sun. You would think that they would die from starvation, but that's not what they die from. And they don't even necessarily die from just thirst. Because what happens is, is when they're out there and they're dehydrated, they're so thirsty, they start drinking on the wrong thing. And this is like many believers in this room. When, did you know when you drink salt water, what it does, it has the opposite effect on the body? you ever grow more and more thirsty and more and more dehydrated because salt dries you out. That's what salt does. 
And so people are forced to go over the boat and drink the salt water only to find out that they become more and more thirsty. This is what Jesus is saying. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. And the more we drink of this world's water, the more we drink of its systems, the more that we drink of its ways, the more and more and more thirsty we get until we are spiritually dead. But for those who choose the slow drip, Jesus may not give you the mansion, he may not give you the Bentley, but what he can give you and he is committed to give you is a joyful heart in serving him and he wants to give you a life where you can experience abundant life in him, a rich relationship in him and have joy on this side of heaven. Forget about the pie in the sky. We want some while we're passing by. Come on, say, somebody say amen. We want some, he says, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus is the only one that can bring that joy and that satisfaction. Sometimes it's hard to hold on to God's promises, but I, 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 I know I'm not supposed to promise, but I guarantee you, you will be much more satisfied with a cup of pure water than a gallon of this world's salt water. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy. Can everybody stand to their feet? I hope this message is hitting home with somebody in the room, somebody who's struggling, somebody who can't seem to find satisfaction. I want to tell you this really quick story, a really quick story, and then I'm going to release you. Is everybody okay? You look like you're contemplating. I don't know if I ever told this story publicly. When the Lord is asking you for something, look at somebody and say this for me, even if you have to look behind you. Say, when the Lord is asking you for something, he wants to do something in you. Look at somebody else and tell them the same. If the Lord is asking you for something, he wants to do something in you. You, you think that you adopting those children, you are doing them a favor. But God is doing some things in you. Why in the world would the Lord have me marry a difficult person? Maybe because you're perfect. Why would God use such hardship to get my attention? he wants to do something in you. That's why he said, give me this cup. You know what the cup is for Jesus? You know what brings satisfaction to his heart? When he can look at you as he puts you through things and he sees that as you say yes every single day and through your yes you become more and more in his image and you begin to look more and more like his son and like his daughter. 
That's his drink. And maybe those children are doing it this morning. And maybe, maybe it's job loss. Maybe it's a difficult circumstance. Maybe it's a spouse. But listen to what my story was. I don't know if I've ever told this story publicly. I went through a challenge where this church, I went through this church challenge. It was difficult. Actually, I was living, Jane, is Jane still here? I was, I was living in their condo. They had rented their condo. Remember that condo? Remember that dog that I brought home? Do you remember that? And, and I was driving down the road. I'm going to tell you guys a little side of me. I was a very lonely kid. I didn't have friends in school. I was super overweight. I could never get a girlfriend. You forget it. I mean, my hands sweat up here. I just couldn't get a girlfriend. Never went to prom. Never did any of that stuff. And uh, I didn't have a girlfriend until I was in my 20s. And um, even then, I'm just telling, saying it was my girlfriend. I think I went on a date. Yeah. I was really lonely. My brothers would make fun of me because everybody had girlfriends. And I'm in my 20s, and I always went to restaurants by myself. Up until 25, 26, I was getting kind of older. They were starting to question me. <laughs> Give me some more juice there, Joel. And I was a really lonely kid, wasn't I, Mom? Very lonely. I lived a very lonely life up into my mid-20s. And I was driving home one day. I remember well, driving to my friend's house. And on the side of the road, I saw this dog. And I mean, you know, you ever, you ever see that commercial with Sarah McLaughlin? Spend all your time waiting. Remember that? In the Arms of the Angel song, they start playing and they play the, they show the dogs and the mishandled dogs and they're mistreated and they have all those skin and bones. Well, I drove by this dog that was completely malnourished, scars all over him. He was probably 30 or 40 pounds, bones, spine, the whole deal. And I, and, 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 you know, this wouldn't be me now, you know, but, um, in that moment I knew the Lord, like, I felt like the Lord said, I need, I want you to rescue this dog. I said, Oh, I was about to start rebuking Satan. You know, I was already struggling financially, but I pulled off the side of the road and I walk up to this dog and this dog literally just falls right over and rolls on his back and he has complete bones and he's a pit bull. And scars, you could tell he had been fought and just, just tattered dog. And I opened my door and he just jumped in my truck. He did not want to get out. He did not want to leave. And I went to my friend's house and I said, man, what am I supposed to do with this dog? Oh, he said, I don't know. He can't stay here. And so I'm forced to bring him back where I was living where Jane, the Blankenships, Dean and Jane Blankenship were, were renting their, their condo to me. And I brought him home and with Within four months of feeding this dog, four months, this dog was, the, I wish I had a picture of him, the most beautiful dog you ever, I mean, the, I, he smiled when I got home. He literally would cheese <laughs> with teeth. He would, wouldn't he, Matt? He smiled the most, like as if he was already trained, he would stay. I could throw a stick and I'd say, stay. I, I never taught him anything. I just say, stay. And he would stay. He, everything he could do to please me. And that whole season of my life, like I just, I was so lonely. And I would just put, I put all my energy, I put my time into the dog, just spending time with him. I named him Judah. 
He was gold like a lion. He looked like the lion of Judah with a pink mask. Beautiful dog. You remember him? And, 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 and one day the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, you thought you were rescuing him, but he was rescuing you. Whatever, listen to me. I'll never forget that. And sometimes we think we, and it was such a challenge to get him kind of back to normal, but he was. He was, he, he, he rescued me out of a lonely life. When we obey Jesus in the, in the seemingly challenging situations, you think the other person is the one being the benefactor. But really, you know who's being rescued? When the Lord tells you to do something hard that's against everything you believe, when it's against it, when it tries you to your core, when it, when it tempts you, when, it, when, it's, when it's difficult, you're not doing God a favor, you're doing yourself a favor. And God gave you that for two reasons. Number one, he trusts you. And number two, his ultimate goal for you is to not make you comfortable. It is to conform you into Jesus' image. Everybody lift your hands right now. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name for every single person under the sound of my voice as they face whatever challenge, whatever season, whatever mountain that requires their obedience to you, no matter how hard it is. So many people in here I know, even by the spirit, you want to give up. And you keep saying, it's not worth it. But I'm telling you, by the spirit, it is so worth it. Okay, it might not be worth it, but he is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. He's worth, he's worth, he is the pearl of great price. What do you get out of the deal? Him. Maybe they don't give you anything back. Maybe they won't give you love in return that you think you need, but Jesus will. You will learn something through your obedience. By giving, by reaching down and just giving Jesus that cup, by coming out of yourself, by taking the focus off of yourself and putting it on Jesus. Listen, serve that person, that circumstance, that job, that spouse, those children, whatever it is, that, that coworker, that, 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 uh, that contemporary who's walking next to you, that boyfriend, that girlfriend, whatever it is, serve that person in that thing as if it's Jesus, as if you're ministering to the Lord, as if you're giving a cup of cold water to the Lord. And as you give that cup, as you sacrifice your time, your love, your talents, your money, whatever it is, Jesus is doing something so wonderful that money cannot buy. He's transforming you into his image and into his likeness. And that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for you. That you would be conformed into the image of Jesus as a son and as a daughter. And Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice to fight the temptation 
to fight the temptation to drink of this world's water that will never satisfy. Prestige will never satisfy. Likes will never satisfy. Platforms will never satisfy. Crowded church will never satisfy. A spouse will not ultimately be in their all where your heart is satisfied. It doesn't satisfy. It's a mirage. Only you, Jesus, ultimately satisfy. So I pray, Father, that you release your grace all over this place. And I pray for every heart that their heart would see it so clearly that you are the only one who can satisfy the heartache that this world could never mend. That's my prayer. That is my prayer. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.